To become more aware of anything is to become more mindful, whether this is awareness of surroundings, of others, or oneself. This mental state can help you be more present, more in tune, more creative, and more receptive. With this podcast, I hope to help you fine-tune your awareness, help you find positivity in your struggles, and give power to your mindfulness. This is Mindful Guidance. Hello, everyone, and thank you for choosing Mindful Guidance. I am your host, Michelle, and I'm so grateful for those who are listening today. On this episode, I'm doing something a little bit different. Normally on each episode, I choose a topic to speak on and stick to that one topic. But today I decided to do a question and answer style podcast. I posted on my Instagram and asked some friends what they would like me to speak about or if they had any questions or ideas for any of my podcast topics. And I got a couple and I chose four. Let me see. Yeah, I chose four because they were all a little bit different. And I thought I'll choose four questions and I'll dive into all four of those instead of doing a podcast on each thing. And who knows, maybe I'll do a podcast on each thing down the line. But I thought doing a question and answer podcast was just something a little bit different and something I wanted to try as it's less scripted and rehearsed and researched because a lot of the topics I speak on, I do a lot of research before I speak about them and I kind of put everything together in a more structured way. But I wanted to do a little more of a free flow podcast and see how it goes, see what I come up with off the top of my head for the answers to these questions. So the first question is, Positive alternatives to help with depression. Now, this wasn't really a question. I think it was more of a topic to speak on. And I think it's a great topic to speak on in general, uh, whether you're on a podcast or not. I think living in the world we live in right now, everything can be very heightened and challenging and depression is a very real uh, disorder. I believe that, which disorder is such a weird word. I know that um, terms need to be used with sensitivity nowadays. And a lot of people have said that, you know, different mental illnesses are not disorders and they're also not illnesses and there's no labels, but they should be talked about and they also should be labeled because there needs to be more awareness around them. So it gets a little um, confusing. Um, but from what I understand, what a disorder means from the psychological standpoint, I think I researched this a while back, that the reason they call mental disorders disorders is because they can't call them an illness. Even though nowadays research is finding that so much is connected to the physical body that it actually could be a form of an illness. But the reason it's a disorder is because the only thing that they can say about the body when it comes to things like um, depression, anxiety, different mental illnesses like that is that they call it a disorder because the, there's something out of order. So that's why they label it a disorder. So when people get offended, like, I don't have a disorder, it's like, 
that's not really the late, they just don't really have another term for it because they don't really want to call it an illness and they don't really want to call it disorder. But the reason it's called a disorder is because there's disorder in the body. So when it comes to the human body, there's a, usually a certain order of how it should function in the most efficient way. And when something is out of order, it makes it so it doesn't function as efficiently as it should. And so that is why it's called a disorder because it's not really in order fully, if that makes sense. So I thought that was really interesting to find out because I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. Like they don't really want to label it to put, to make it a, a, a negative um, connotation or a negative label. It's just like, what word would you choose? And I think back in the day, they when they're putting things in these uh, psychological textbook and stuff, they just were like, look, the body is out of order in some way or the brain is out of order in some way. So they just call it a disorder. And so I thought that was kind of fascinating because what else are we supposed to call it? You know, when we're, when we're having a conversation around these kinds of things. And I just think it's a little bit fascinating when you start uh, diving into it and figuring out what um, depression and anxiety actually are and how we can flip the script and talk more positively around it. Because I think that is part of the positive alternatives to help with depression is talking about it in a way that doesn't make people feel so negative because it really isn't negative. It's just something going on within the body or the energy field or the mind or the brain or all of the above that is not in order in a way. And so trying to figure out how to, um, to work with that and find the most efficient order to make the body and mind function in the most efficient and optimal way is really the goal at the end of the day. But depression, I think, and again, I'm not a doctor. This is not me coming on here to give any medical advice, anything like that. Like this is just my own experience from my life living with um, I've lived with bouts of depression off and on in my life for different reasons. I've, I've known many people who um, have chronic depression who actually are diagnosed with clinical chronic depression. And I think that when it comes to depression, there's levels. And I think that a lot of people think that, oh, depression's just, it's just one thing. You either have it or you don't. And I don't think that. I think there's levels of depression. I think people who are diagnosed with clinical chronic depression, I think those people you know, need a specific kind of care and possibly medication and therapy, like they should be, um, their treatment should look different than somebody who is just going through a really hard time and hitting a bout of depression or somebody who is just feeling depressed because you can just, you can feel depressed without having clinical depression. You know, you can have a really hard time or you can, you know, go through grief or a loss of a, of a loved one or a pet or something like that. And you can feel really depressed. Like a lot of us can feel very, very, very depressed for many days, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have chronic depression and you should be diagnosed and medicated and whatever. That just means you're going through a really hard time and you have to work through the, the process of grief or loss or sadness or whatever that may be. And then I think there are other people who have the diagnosis of depression that comes in and out. Um, and this, I think, goes hand in hand with anxiety as well. This is something I got diagnosed with when I was younger was general anxiety disorder. Yet again, a disorder I was diagnosed with. And this goes hand in hand with anxiety because when you have anxiety and you're in this heightened state of awareness for a long period of time, and then you, you can also crash and go into bouts of depression. And this is something that I dealt with 
um, a lot in the past and something that I have to work through regularly sometimes. You can get into these really low lows that are a little bit disconnected and definitely disassociative. Um, and so there's that kind of depression that like comes in and out and kind of goes with anxiety. And then there's also the levels of depression that are very, very deep and, and clinical and, you know, need a lot of psychological work. And there's a lot of wounds in there that need to be addressed. So depression, I think, is this very large umbrella. And I think it depends on where you fall in that umbrella to what kind of um, treatment or, or um, needs need to be met if that makes sense. So I think that not everybody should get the same pill. Not everybody should get the same diagnosis. Like everything I, I think should be treated on a case by case basis. And so with that being said, back to the question of, you know, what are some positive alternatives to help with depression? I think that generally speaking across the board, um, maybe aside from the ones who are, um, have that clinical diagnosis, because Depression is really, really, really messed up. Um, and to say that, you know, to think happy thoughts and, and you know, get sunshine and get exercise and all those things, those things that just don't work for everybody. You know, I've lost a lot of friends who were, um, you know, very, very happy in, and had everything in life and still took their own life because their depression got the best of them. Um, and there was nothing you could say to them um, to to take away whatever darkness they were, they would go into. That was something that, that to me is a little bit next level. And that I think when I'm answering this question, that's, those aren't the people I'm talking about. Um, I think I'm going to be talking about the people that, um, could really just benefit from a lot of mindset shifts and lifestyle changes. Um, that being said, I think, you have to really set yourself up for success when you, whether you're diagnosed with depression or if you know you have it just intuitively, or if you've been going through a lot of things that are really taking you down, I think you have to really take it upon yourself to set yourself up for as much success as possible. And what that means to me is, you know, you have to sit with yourself and realize that, Yes, you can go to the doctor and yes, you can get on medication and yes, you can, um, you can seek things from externally that can say, hey, are you depressed? Take this and you know, you should be okay in the next couple of weeks. Get yourself balanced. And I think that's great and I think that's needed. But I also think you really have to kind of sit with yourself and go, okay, you know, am I doing every single thing I possibly can to make me feel as good as I can every single day? And yes, that sounds overwhelming, especially to people who have, you know, anxiety and depression, but you have to ask that question. Like, are you doing everything you possibly can? Like when you hear, when you check all the boxes of, of the things that doctors, researchers, psychologists, everybody says, like, am I doing all of the things that they say help with depression? Like, am I, you know, creating a morning and night routine? Because routine is very important. Am I getting enough sleep, meaning at least six hours of sleep a night, you know, six to eight, sometimes nine. Um, Oversleeping can be a sign of depression. So it's like you have to walk that line, but you have to get enough sleep regularly, by the way. It has to be regular, uh, not just eight hours, three nights a week and then two or three or whatever. You know, having having a, a, a routine of some sort 
uh, really helps the body get back into order, essentially. So having a morning and night routine, you know, am I getting enough sleep? Am I, you know, did, am I cutting out um, different foods and drinks and substances that could be adding to my depression? Alcohol should be the first thing to go. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear this because alcohol can be the one thing that they're using to self-medicate because they feel depressed, but alcohol it is, is a depressant. So you have to, again, set yourself up for that success and go, you know what, let me give up the, this alcohol, this depressant for you know, six months, because you have to give yourself some time and see if anything improves. You have to give yourself enough time to adjust, not just 30 days, not just 60 days. You've got to give yourself like six months, even a year to see if, if things will even out. Because if you're adding depressant to a depression, it's not going to be very beneficial to you. So you have to do certain things that are going to possibly benefit you. And if you're on different medications, a lot of times you're not supposed to drink on them anyway. The other thing is food. Are you, you know, getting the most nutritious food you can possibly get, you know, depending on your resources and where you live and all that, but are you getting the most nutritious food you can? Because again, you're trying to get the body back in order. You want to get your gut health in order. You want to make sure you're getting, you know, all of the vitamins and nutrients, like the essential ones that you need. Like, are you getting enough magnesium, vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin B? Like, are you getting that from food? Are you taking your supplements? All of these things that you're doing, it's not just about like finding out the ways to be happy because that's not the other side of depression. The other side of being depressed isn't being happy. You know, those two terms like don't really, they're not really the opposite of each other because happiness doesn't come from the outside and and depression pretty much comes from within. So it's like this really weird I just don't think they're the opposite of each other. So depression, being depressed, you can be happy and still be depressed. <laughs> Those things can coexist. So that means they're like not the opposite of each other. Um, I think the I think, you know, positive alternatives to help with depression aren't really the it's I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you should do, you know, you should do things that make you happy. Just, you know, make things make you laugh. And it's like, yes, you need to do all those things. You want to like boost all of your endorphins as much as you can. But you also have to understand that if you're boosting your endorphins a lot, if you're like pushing yourself to be happy all the time and like release serotonin, release endorphins, release all these things, which you can do with like extreme exercise, you can do with stimulants you're going to have this like lull because the more you stimulate yourself, the more you're going to come back down. So the key is actually finding balance in it all. And you want to make sure you're getting enough exercise, you're getting enough sleep, you're getting all of your vitamins and nutrients. Like you want to get your gut health in order. And then on top of that is when you want to do the positive affirmations every single day. You want to, you know, create a positive aspects journal and a gratitude journal to be able to find the the good in the world and again it's not necessarily to make you happy it's to retrain the brain to see positivity where you usually see sorrow where you usually see pain Um, you really can flip your mindset around by doing these things every single day and yes it takes work and I think a lot of people who are in a depressive or like really anxious and then depressed state they the doing the work sounds really exhausting and it sounds like something that 
their mind is probably telling them isn't going to be worth it anyway because that's what depression and anxiety do is the mind takes over and says it's not even going to be worth it don't waste your time that's going to take forever just get your quick fix and be happy tomorrow with your drugs and alcohol and and funny movies and you know yes you can work out but you know the high is only going to go so high like the brain really take them and the mind really take over and kind of mess with you and so it it becomes overwhelming because the mind thinks like this isn't even going to be worth it. But at the end of the day, anybody who has done the work and has, well, um, you know, put in that effort every single day will tell you it's a hundred percent worth it. And so these alternatives, they might not necessarily be like these, the positivity that you're asking for, but it's like, it's doing these, um, these, these things for yourself every single day and asking yourself, like, am I doing the most for myself? Am I doing the most to find my balance, to find my order, to find my, to find my happiness? Because it's going to come from within at some point. And you, if you're not doing all of the things that you could do, then you're not really setting yourself up for success. So you don't really know for sure how, undepressed you can get until you try to do all of the things that everybody says that you could possibly do even though you think that they might just be overwhelming so again it's that routine every single day it's getting enough sleep it's cutting out all the bullshit like I hate to say it but you have to cut out the booze and the drugs and the crappy food because it wreaks havoc on the gut and gut health they now know they now, every, they, the doctors, the scientists, the researchers, everybody knows now that gut health is an immediate connection to mental health and brain health and depression and anxiety. So if you're not taking care of your gut and you're looking for just like positive, if you're like doing positive affirmations every day and positive meditations, if you're looking for just positivity everywhere, but you're not taking care of your gut health, then you're not you're going to get a bunch of positivity around you that's probably going to annoy you in, in all honesty because you're not there to be receptive of it. You, want to, you have to take care of your physical body. You have to get that exercise in that's actually consistent, not just once a week or every couple of weeks or whatever. You want to be consistent with everything that you do. Like overcoming depressive states and anxious states, you have to be consistent. Consistency is the key I can't stress it enough. I tell so many people, I'm like, you can do whatever you want for 30 days, but if you can't do it for six months to a year, you're not consistent enough. So you want to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success every single day. And you have to ask yourself those hard questions. You have to ask like, am I doing everything? And if anybody needs a checklist, I'll write one up for you. And it's like, okay, am I getting enough sleep? Am I, do I have a morning and night routine? Am I taking care of my gut? Am I doing my positive affirmations? Am I getting enough uh, sunshine? Am I taking vitamins? Vitamin D and magnesium, guys, they're huge. You know, am I getting fresh air? Am I seeing sunlight in the morning? There's all of these little things that you can do that, you know, can boost yourself up. And the thing is, is if you're only doing that once in a while, you're going to go up and then you're going to come right back down and your mind is going to tell you that didn't work. So why are you, why do you even bother? You have to stay consistent with it, even on the hard days, because it's on the hard days where you go, oh, okay, I stuck with it. And that makes you feel really good. And you want to stay consistent so that you don't get the highs of feeling good and then you crash. You want to stay consistent to be able to change those brain patterns, change your routines, change your sleeping patterns, change your gut health, 
getting through these states involves working hard to make change. And so these positive alternatives, they're really, really simple when you break them down, but they're not simple as a whole. So you have to just ask yourself, am I doing all of the things that I possibly can to set myself up for, you know, for a less depressed day today? Because again, just because you do all these things doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect by any means because life is still going to be life and it's still going to come at you. But hopefully through this process, as life comes at you, you can be more receptive of it and and it's not going to be as challenging to deal with and it's not going to take you down as hard because you've set yourself up to be in a stronger position, a more balanced position and a more positive position. So instead of seeing negative things being thrown at you, you see negative things being thrown at you, but you are ready to shoot out positive solutions. And this is how shifting your mindset comes into play, but it goes hand in hand with taking care of your physical health first and foremost. So if you're not doing all of the things that check all of those boxes, then you got to figure out what boxes you're missing to make sure you're giving yourself like the benefit of the doubt, because we all deserve the the benefit of the doubt. And if we're not giving ourselves that, then we're going to get down on ourselves. And that's not fair because nobody else is going to do it for us. Like that's the number one rule that people need to understand. Like nobody else is going to, is going to make you happy. Nobody else is going to really get you out of a depression. You might think they do when you're around certain people, they make you feel good. But at the end of the day, it's really you who needs to take care of you. And and you should, you know, if you wake up every morning and, and you go, you know, what? I really want to do this. Like, I really want to take care of myself. And what can I do to start this process? You know, get yourself an a, a accountability buddy, a friend, a therapist, if you can, you know, reach out to a friend or family member or simply just, you know, do your best to walk yourself through it every day. Like, am I giving myself the benefit of the doubt? Am I doing everything I possibly can to make sure that that this depression or anxiety isn't going to take over me, you know? So get that checklist out. And if anybody needs one, I will seriously write one up and I will email it to you and be like, this is your checklist. Are you doing all of these things? And if you're doing all of those things and after six months to a year, nothing is working, then you need to still work with your doctor on your, um, on medications and things. And again, this is not advice to just stop taking medication and start exercising every day because, I don't know your circumstances, but it is always, it's going to be beneficial to you to make sure you are exercising every single day, even if you are on medication, whether you are or not. Exercise is one of the number one things that they say can help eliminate or combat depression and anxiety. So whether you're on medication or not, you guys get that exercise in, feed your body that, you know, that sweat things out and feed your body good food. Do everything you can for your body to be its best self and eventually your body is going to do good things for you, whether it's with your gut health or your mental health. It's real, guys. Like I've been there and it's challenging and it takes time, but it's worth it 100%. So positive alternatives to help with depression. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, guys, but it's very personal and it's very much, you know... Am I doing everything every day to make sure that I'm okay and that I'm going to, I'm going to work on being the happiest I I can possibly be. And I'm also going to work on 
being as healthy as I can possibly be because it is all connected, you guys. Energy, the energy body and the physical body, they're very, very, very much connected. So do your best to do all of the things and reach out to a friend or get yourself an accountability buddy. Make sure you have a support system because it is not fucking easy, you know, when you're, when you're um, suffering from things like this. So make sure you're telling people what's up. Make sure you're talking to people, at least one person in your corner, you know, have that support system because getting things off your chest, crying on somebody's shoulder, you, you have no idea how far that goes to be able to release a lot of the emotion that you could be bottling up inside. So Make sure you're covering all the bases, guys. <laughs> this is the only thing I can say without giving like medical advice because I just can't do that. So um, nutrition, sleep, supplements, exercise, sunshine, uh, support system, journaling, affirmations. Like it is a lot, but it's so fucking worth it. So make sure you check all the boxes. On to the next question. Uh, this person asked me, what are your thoughts on veganism? Mm. I'm going to grab myself some water. Uh, veganism, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on it, to be honest with you. Um, veganism is a lifestyle. Um, it's not, I don't believe veganism is a diet. Um, I think it's a lifestyle. And I think people choose veganism for different reasons. And I think we really just should be respectful of people and their choices. Um, you know, I was a vegetarian for a long time when I was younger. Um, I really didn't eat, didn't eat any meat for a long, long time. And it was because I went down a rabbit hole when I was younger of <laughs> what they did to, you know, cows and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, I really was in it for the, um, feeling bad for the animals at the time. And I think a lot of vegans choose that lifestyle. Um, that's why they don't use anything animal. Um, they really, uh, feel that connection with the animal or whatever it may be. Um, some of them choose that lifestyle because they do think it's healthier. Um, I think that can be up for debate uh, always. Um, I don't necessarily think it's healthier. I just think, again, it's a lifestyle choice. And I think we should respect people for whatever reason, as long as they're um, doing it right. Um, because a lot of vegans can not get the right supplementation. You do have to supplement because, again, it comes back to keeping the body in order and how it, can be, how it needs to function properly. And you do need a lot of proteins and vitamins that typically come from uh, animal products. But as long as you're getting that supplementation from plant proteins and supplements, then there's, there's no reason why you can't be a healthy vegan. I follow a lot of vegans on social media and they're killing it and they know exactly what they're doing and they supplement the correct way. So... Um, again, I think it's a lifestyle and I just think we should, um, we should, you know, respect that choice. And if people want to go down that route, I think that, you know, they, you know, they need to just do whatever they feel is right for themselves and their body, you know? So, um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of people are doing a lot of intuitive eating and they're trying to get their gut health right. And, and a lot of doctors will say, cut out meat for a while and again, we just have to let people make their own choices and be supportive of them. So if you have friends that all of a sudden are going vegan, it's just, you know, don't think it's weird. It just, you know, there's a lot of information out in the world and people, um, especially as we age, we just, we take in certain things and we're affected by certain things and we need to let people make choices based on what they're going through, what research they're taking in, um, how their life has, is affecting them at the moment. And if they choose to go vegan, 
let them go vegan. And also if you're vegan and people are eating meat around you, it's like, eh, sorry, that's the way that the world is. It works both ways. <laughs> you have to be respectful of everybody because, you know, humans have been eating um, animals for a very long time. It's the cycle of life. Like we're, you know, there, there's a way the world works and, and nobody should be ashamed of, um, of any of that either. So those are my thoughts on veganism. It's not really a whole lot because I don't really, I don't know, I don't I'll put a lot of thought into it, but um, I think do whatever makes you feel good and whatever um, your doctor is recommending or whatever uh, is going on with your gut. I think it's important to uh, figure all that out. So however that looks for you, you know, by all means, as long as you're doing it in a healthy way and you're not like imposing your belief systems or being weird about stuff or being judgmental to other people, then eat whatever you want, guys, as long as you're uh, making healthy choices and, um, and, um, staying healthy. Okay. Uh, my third question here is after I get more water, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm talking really fast. Um, but I need to do this. I need to do this guys. I need to get through, uh, my, uh, free flowing podcast. Um, I, this question says, how do I get abs? And when she texted it, it had like a million uh, exclamation points on it. I was like, are you yelling at me? (laughs) Um, but no, so she messaged, she said, how do I get abs? And here's the deal with abs, you guys. Um, we all have them. (laughs) We all have abs. We all have abdominal muscles. Um, it's just a matter of how you strengthen them. Um, and I don't know if the question really is like, how do I get them? Because we all know how to get abs. I mean, you can do the most basic exercises to get abs. It's, you can, you can work the full abdominal, um, muscles, like the entire core, just by doing core exercises, crunches, you know, little leg lifts, obliques, like all of that. You can do all of that work and you can have abs and we all have them. Just so you know, we all have abdominal muscles. It's just a matter of how strong our core is and how, uh, how much we strengthen our our abs. Um, I think the real question probably here is how do, how do I see my abs? (laughs) Um, because at the end of the day, it's like, we'll, we'll get abs, but then all of a sudden there's still this like layer of something, especially as we get older, we're like, why is this layer not going away? Um, and there's a, a quite a few reasons for that. Um, you can work out and you can do core exercises and work out your abs every single day. Um, if you still have some layer of belly fat that you're not seeing the abs like you want, you have to change your diet. And this is something I can't stress enough to people and you're going to hear it. And people, I think, just put their little earplugs in. They don't want to hear that you have to change your diet, especially as you get older. You guys, once we hit 30, 35, 40, all of that, our metabolism changes. Um, I'm sure people have noticed that like, where we gain weight changes just a little bit. Like I used to gain it here and now all of a sudden I have these, we gain it here. It's a little strange. Um, that's because our body just changes and we need to take that into consideration instead of avoiding it and ignoring it. So in order to get abs, you have to watch what you eat. You know, it's, it, I can't stress it enough. It's 80% diet. 20% workout because we all have abs and you can strengthen your abs very easy, by the way. Like you can do, 
you know, 50 crunches a day and do, you can do like the smallest ab workout and you will have abs. You know, if you strength, if you're strengthening your core, you will have abs. But if you want to see those abs, if you want to get those abs cut, you have to focus on your diet. You absolutely 100%, you have to cleanse the toxins out of the body because so much of the, um, so much of the, uh, the belly, I don't want to call it fat because there's belly fat and there's inflammation. So you want to be able to cleanse, um, you want to be able to cleanse toxins out of your body. You want to be able to see what is inflammation, what is actual fat. Um, cause then you can get on, um, a fat burning, uh, workout regimen. Uh, but you also want to cleanse the body of the toxins. So that, that you, so you want to cut out the fast food. You want to cut out the sugar. Uh, you want to cut out anything that might be inflammatory to you. So if you have any issues with dairy, gluten, uh, soy, any peanuts, anything like that, that's going to cause inflammation. So as you can be doing abs all day, but if you have inflammation and belly fat that you're not taking into consideration to get rid of, AKA meaning changing your diet, you're not going to see the abs. So, um, everybody is different by the way, everybody's body is different. So one person can do a ton of cardio and all these abs and weight training, and they're still going to have like a little bit of layer of fat. It might be hereditary. Um, there are, you have to really know your body and you have to work uh, one-on-one with your doctor, your personal trainer, your nutritionist, and make sure that you're working and only worrying about your body because you could have a body that is, you're going to have to shift some things around. So, um, you know, make sure you're just focusing on what your goal is really. And if you really want to see your abs, then you got to work on your diet, number one, and then you got to work on those core exercises and uh, weight training as well. So weight training will actually um, slim you up, and even if you're a woman, and it will help boost your metabolism as well. So there's a lot that actually goes into that. It's actually not as cut and dry as like, just do abs, obviously, or I wouldn't have gotten the question, um, but it is first and foremost your diet. So if you've been working out, working out, working out, and you you're but you're still eating kind of and not so great food because you think like, if I just work out a ton, I can eat whatever I want, but your body's like, no, that's not true. (laughs) We're going to still keep this little layer of here because, uh, you can't do that anymore. So, um, I've done a couple of videos on this on my Instagram too. So if you ever check it out, like I, I dive into this every now and then that, uh, we really need to focus on, uh, what we're putting into our body guys, if we really want to start seeing those abs. So that's that for that question. (laughs) Um, and the last question, this wasn't a question. Somebody, um, messaged me and said, please do a podcast about shadow work. And again, I have to get water. And it's funny because I actually think if I go into my phone, I have a list of podcast ideas and I'm pretty sure shadow work is one of the ideas I wrote down. Um, shadow work is interesting because Since I've done mine, um, I've done a lot of shadow work uh, myself. Um, I have a, I have a a different perspective on it than I did before I did the work. Uh, before I did the work, I, I don't know. I, I had this image of shadow work of being just like, just going into a dark place or, you know, being just being dark, I guess. I had this image of like darkness in some way and I, um, I don't know. I was scared of it. You know, you hear shadow work and you, and you think, ugh, like I might just, you know, you want to pull out these demons and stuff and you hear that kind of talk and, 
and verbiage on social media sometimes like, oh, I'm just playing with my demons and, you know, you know, going to walk with my demon. You hear just kind of this like dark uh, uh, messaging around it. But for me, like now that I've done a lot of shadow work, um, I recognize that shadow work is what it is is I guess you can get really dark with it and you can go into the depths of, there are a lot of people who do certain um, ceremonial things in order to do shadow work and you can choose that route 100%, um, which I did, by the way, which I'm not going to go into right now, but (laughs) um, there are ways to really, you know, dive into your, you know, your darkness essentially and your traumas and all of that kind of stuff and, and shadow work can be very uncomfortable. Um, but from what I've kind of understood after doing so much shadow work is that what shadow work really is, is just shining light on things that you've put behind you. So, and that kind of makes sense in that aspect. So when you change the verbiage around like, I'm going to play with my demons and my dark shadows and all this kind of stuff. And if you just think of it, like your shadow is always behind you, right? And so shadow work is sort of just flipping, flipping the light around and shining the light on what you've, what you've essentially put behind you or what you've buried or what you've put in the dark. And so, um, you know, a lot of that is subconscious work. It's emotional work. It's trauma work. It's breath work. It's, it goes deep because these are the things that you've essentially put behind you, whether that was, you know, consciously or, you know, due to trauma or due to circumstances like out of your control. But essentially these things, you know, went deep into the subconscious, AKA, you know, into the, into the, the deep, into the behind you. Um, so what shadow work does is it, uh, it flips the light around. So, you know, if you think of yourself standing, you know, facing the sun and you turn around and you see your shadow, I always, I kind of started picturing myself as like moving out of my own way so that the light could shine on my shadow, if that makes sense. So it's like, I had to picture myself in a way cause I, I, I have to like, when I do work on myself, I, I get these kind of images or I have to like write things out because I'm like, what am I actually doing? You know, am I, di- am I diving into my subconscious? Am I, you know, am I, you know, what am I do- pulling up old, you're pulling up old shit, right? Um, but I had to envision myself, you know, standing in the sun and moving myself, my physical body out of the way so the sun could shine on my shadow and really bring to light, um, what I needed to work on. And when you think about it in that way, you're essentially getting out of your own way. So shadow work brings all this stuff to the surface so that you can work through all of this so that you're not in your own way anymore because, a lot of the things that we uh, put into our shadow are things that are holding us back. Um, they're, they're traumas that we haven't been able to work through. They're emotions that we've buried and things that have become trapped that are very uncomfortable to deal with. Um, shadow work is 100% difficult. But if you, if you keep hearing how difficult it is, if you keep hearing how dark it is and demonic and all this kind of stuff, then it's going to be even... That sounds so scary. And that's how I felt. Like I was like... I didn't realize that's what I was doing when I, when I started doing all the work I started doing, but when it happened and I flipped everything into the light and I realized what I was doing, I was like, oh, this is shadow work. Like I just brought everything to the surface very quickly 
it was very challenging. It took me, you know, I did a lot of work for about a year at least. It was really, really, really hard. And then now when I, the work I do on myself, it's not as difficult because I, I have this image of myself again, like moving myself out of the way so the sun can shine on my shadows and, and, and pull all of that into the light. Because at the end of the day, so much of our shadows, like what's in our shadow and so much of what our shadow is, 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 can be a light that we didn't realize we had. And I think so much of us can put, you know, can bury so much, so much in our lives. And this can be really heavy for a lot of people. Um, I'm sure you've been listening to this, but, um, once we bring those things to light, a lot of those things that we think are scary or negative or ugly about ourselves, once you shine light on them and you work through them and they're fully in the light, so much of it becomes strength and wisdom and and it it becomes more light than you could have ever imagined and it just makes you shine brighter. So the sooner that you can pull that stuff out of the shadow or, or shine the sunshine on that shadow and work through that, then it's like, it not only can a lot of the, like whatever is weighing you down dissipate, but you can feel, you feel lighter because there's, there's so much more light on you and you're able to put out much more light because you finally moved out of your own way and are able to, to put that light on that shadow. So that to me is what shadow work is and again there's a lot of people who will listen to this and be like that's not what shadow work is that's this or whatever and they'll have their very specific definition of what it is and maybe they've done a lot of really deep dark work that's been very heavy for them and um and again I could go into mine like I said that could be for another podcast um because it is it is a lot um, to take in but just just to answer this question of um or just to kind of cover this topic really quickly, that is what shadow work is to me. And so I feel like, you know, as, as scary as things can be, um, if you do it in the right way with a support system, um, with some kind of, uh, guidance, whether that be therapy or a shaman or, or, you know, a mentor or a sponsor, if you're going through, um, rehabilitation or something like that, because a lot of times shadow work will come into play, Um, when you're dealing with that, um, when you're doing it in, in a safe environment and you're making sure you're, you're, um, you are getting out your emotions in, in a positive way and, um, it doesn't have to be as scary. And I think that sometimes people, you know, they hear shadow work and, you know, you know, dealing with your demons and bringing everything to the surface. And I think that can sound really scary. And it is a lot of times, like it, it is very scary sometimes. And I think that, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say that it's not because it is. Um, but a lot of times to heal, we have to do that scary work. But uh, once, once the work is, is going and moving, you can see how much lighter you'll feel and, and how, how, less of a shadow you have. So it's, you know, working with the subconscious and, and doing shadow work is definitely not easy by any means, but that's the way that I envision it. And I think me envisioning it in that way has actually helped me. So when I've kind of dove into my shadows and my, the negative sides of myself and, and, you know, having to hold myself accountable to all the fucked up things I've done in my past and be like, Oh, like I, (laughs) 
hello, it's me, I'm the problem, it's me kind of thing. Um, bringing those things to light, you know, only made me stronger and it only made me realize that I have nothing to be afraid of anymore. So that is what shadow work is to me. And maybe I will do a whole other podcast on it because it would be kind of uh, fun and interesting to like dive into how I, how I did all the work and maybe fun to actually have somebody else um, to talk to about it too. Cause I think it's interesting to talk to other people about, about their, about the work they're doing on themselves and, and kind of rising from the ashes. Those stories are very inspiring to me. So maybe I'll do that, uh, on another podcast. That's something I need to, I'll put a little note, but that's how I feel about shadow work. And that's kind of my broad, um, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, uh, the broad, my broad description of shadow work. So that is probably going to be it for my Q and a, I think, cause I think my brain just died <laughs> after uh, talking about all those different things, but I hope this was helpful to anybody. Um, hopefully the people that, um, sent in the questions hears this and hopefully it helps them answer any of the questions they sent in or gives them a little bit of motivation or inspiration. Um, and hopefully I can do another one of these at another time because I do like doing these. I do like feeling like connected to other people and what can I help people with? Uh, cause I feel, I love my podcast and I love doing research and, and talking about different things, but I also love feeling like I'm connected to other people and possibly helping other people in the process. So if anybody's listening to this and you have any questions that you want to send in, and these can be questions about anything, you guys, because I just love to talk about humans in general. So it can be about mental health. It can be about nutrition and, and working out. Um, it can be about, you know, relationships. It can be about somebody you broke up with recently, and maybe you just want to, like, have some questions on how you think you should handle it or what you feel like your next move should be. I don't know. Um, but it could be about anything. It could just be about life in general. If you want to just ask a question about, you know, I don't know, something that you think that I might be interested in. If you want me to do some research for you because you don't have the time to do something, please let me know. I'm here for you guys. So this is my first question and answer. And I hope that we can do this again soon. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Take care. Thank you for choosing the Mindful Guidance Podcast. I hope this episode answered some of your questions and gave some of you a little insight to a few topics of discussion. I am looking forward to more question and answer style episodes and hope to get more articulate with my flow. I really love speaking out into the world and hope I can help others in the process. This is truly why I started my podcast in the first place. Choosing to work on mindfulness in everyday life is a big step to a more positive mindset, to relieving unnecessary stress, and to living a more balanced life. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to follow and rate the show. There are also links in the description to check out my website where you can learn more about me as a coach and sign up for my courses, workout and habit changing programs, or book a coaching session. You can also check out and follow my personal training and mindset coaching Instagram for daily inspiration and to see what else I have to offer. 
Social media is a great place to connect, and I do love connecting to those that reach out for guidance. If you want to chat more about any of these topics, please feel free to reach out on any of my platforms. I would love to have an open discussion about how this resonates with you. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful, mindful day. Until next time.